welcome to the Your Data Driven Podcast. If you like this podcast, be sure to visit our website at yourdatadriven.com for more useful help and advice on setting up your race car, mastering data analysis, and driving faster. Welcome to the very first episode. My name's Samir Abid. My guest today is Andrew Conway, psychologist to Formula One stars and international athletes. But he's also a new racing driver, or will be a new racing driver. So this episode is all about mental performance. How can we learn from how he prepares the best? So let's hear what Andrew has to say. Welcome, Andrew. It's so great to see you. Hear you, even. That's a good start. <laughs> Got a face for radio. Is it? Yeah, yeah, me too, man. The human element is massive in racing, massive in, in terms of performance, and, and that's the bit that you you work mm-hmm. on. It would be great to, you know, just give us a bit of a flavour of, of what you've been up to, particularly in the motor racing world, and then perhaps work towards a way in which people listening can, can sort of get some good takeaways, something they can do in the paddock to help them with their preparation, their performance. Yes, yeah, sounds good. So I've been in the, um, I guess I've, I've been around carts and cars for a long, long time. Um, I went go-karting as a kid and um, I used to watch my uncle race a cart back in, uh, oh crikey, it must be the late 80s, early 90s now, not so that, decades ago. ago. <laughs> Uh, yeah so yeah not that long ago in the grand scheme of things it's um, not that long ago but then um you know more so in the last three four years with my business doing mental mental performance coaching um predominantly with athletes but um you know through a chance meeting ended up working um with a young lad whose dad worked at mclaren the formula one team and then um he sort of introduced me to the drivers and um you know, the rest is history. So kind of working with, predominantly working with the the development drivers and also the racing drivers, but some of the Formula 2 guys, some of the Formula 3 guys that are part of um, sort of academies and things that are coming through. And then also working with drivers in the, um, you know, the British Touring Car World, uh, British GT World, and um, and down to very novice entry-level drivers and and people like that so people that are new to racing and want to get a bit of an edge um and all those exciting things i just want to sort of pick up on that i mean that's just phenomenal to be honest i I think it's it's phenomenal story um that you have anyway but just to pick up on on the the elephant in the room really which is um traditionally motor racing and, and and racing drivers have not had mental coaches and that kind of support it's been a, it's you know just been a bit looked down upon um my background in the world of you know olympic sport and professional sports you know it would be odd if you didn't have a mental coach and i think the perception in motorsport is perhaps that um if you're talking to a psychologist you you have a problem so it's a negative rather mm. than um the perception in certainly in in, in sport is that um, how can you improve your mental performance so it becomes a positive? Not that you have a problem per se, but like how could you mentally be more prepared? You know, as a positive. Um, so, so how would you? How would you yeah. sort of? What's your sort of thoughts on on that for for people listening? Because I imagine people that are oh, psychologists. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. 
Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because in the world of F1, it's, you know, it's very technologically led. So they're at the forefront of, of motor racing, of aerodynamics, of car building with, um, you know, all the printing stuff they now use to build the cars. So it's, um, you know, on one know level, they People are... Don't printing stuff. They reckon everything's made. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, that's, that's our secret to me. Don't tell anybody. Um, yeah, that's our secret. It's uh, it's all good. Yeah, so, um, you know, so on one level, you know, the, the technology side of it is is absolutely cutting edge. And, and a lot of the stuff used in those cars sort of transfers into... And normal everyday cars, which is amazing, but the we often forget about the, you know, the human being that that sits um, in that tight little cockpit um, operating it and, and making it go quicker. And it's kind of a bit of, um, you know, the F one world is a little bit, um, it's a little bit backwards like that, I guess. Um, in that they're they're more thinking about the car, but not about the you know, the human that sits behind it. And in the, um, you know, it's an interesting quote here, and I've just, just pulled it up on my phone from the um, from the baseball world, is um, the coach from a chap called Joe Madden from the Chicago Cubs. Um, he's got a saying that if you're not talking to a mental skills guy to get better, then you're crazy. So it's the, you know, they put mental performance, sports psychology at the forefront of their game as a positive thing so they're looking for their their one percent they're making sure that everybody is taking in information everybody's taking in data in a way that works for them individually for the benefit of the team as a whole and that's kind of the probably the key to the success of my businesses is that i i'm very good at kind of working out how an individual ticks and operates on a sensory level or a, an information taking level but then getting them to sort of translate that um that learning understanding knowledge into a language that works for the people around them um because you know if i was talking on this um you know if i was talking to you now in swahili you wouldn't you know you wouldn't understand a word i'm saying but um so it's just making sure on the same page communication wise it's really helpful Something, yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. You can tell the people that yeah, got kids yeah. in It's uh, real Lion King oh, specialists. <laughs> but but that, uh, you, you, made, you made a good point there because um, the there's there's several levels I suppose to to what um, we're thinking about. So uh, you might Im- hmm. immediately think, and, and this is my uh, psychology. Oh, it's all about the driving. And I think that is quite, I'd, I'd be interested to explore that a little bit in terms of the psychology in driving and, and, and while you're actually managing what what you're doing. So mm. concentration yeah. or someone cuts you off or something like that. Yeah. So how do you, how do you managing that? But equally, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot around yes. the, the interaction outside the car as well. Um, oh, crikey, yeah. Yeah, that's quite interesting because I started off working with a, um, a Formula 2 driver um, who was racing for ART um, and was a McLaren development driver. And um, he was a Japanese driver working for a French team. So the um, oh, both oh, had fella. kind of English. <laughs> sorry for uh, my French. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, sorry for all our French <laughs> listeners. Yeah. For the benefit of the tape, that's um, serious thoughts, not mine. Um, but yeah. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a Japanese driver working or driving for a French team. So English is a second language on both counts. And, um, you know, the, fir- the first day I got there for some testing and you're listening to the conversation over the radio and I could hear hear the engineer sort of speaking to the driver. You can then hear the kind of the, the cogs ticking away in the driver's brain as he's going, what does he mean? Is it this? Is it that? And then, you know, then the response would come back. And all that time, you know, he's driving at 280 kilometers an hour around Jerez in Spain. And it's just, um, it's just really interesting. And you just kind of go, wow, that can't, you know, how does that work on race day when he's got another 19 cars surrounding him? One of the things that people um, talk about, so people like Fernando Alonso, mental bandwidth, is, is that is that relevant? Would you say? Because it sounds to me like that's going to be quite a lot of effort for the guy to be translating what the engineer is saying and then translating, okay, what do I actually want to reply to him? And then having to think again how he can express that in English that the French guy is going to understand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the way we got around it was was to literally just have um, over, over a waste weekend, there's, there's only there's kind of a, a limited number of questions you've really got to ask, if that makes sense. So what we did, we just translated those sentences into code words. Um, so instead of asking a question, you would say a word, and the driver knows what that word means as a question, so he doesn't have to translate it. Um, and then he would just come back with a one-worded answer. So, you know, even simple things like... Um, the driver would, you know, if we talk about, um, if, if you, if this is going to sound absolutely crazy now, but if you think of the, the car as a dog, if he says dog, if he goes bark, that, yeah, so if he, if the engineer says dog, driver says bark, there's something wrong at the front of the car, um, either understeer or something like that, or not enough downforce or grip at the front of the car. Um, if he says, you know, tail, it's the back end of the car. Um, so, you know, the, the engineer can just go dog and he'll ask a question about the car and he would say, yeah, barking, tail wagging, um, for a good sign, you know, or tail down, uh, for a bad sign. So you would know, you don't have to have that 15 minute conversation around what's going on. You can just have very simple, you know, we got it down to just 10 words. So we would have the, the 10 most common questions. We would have a code word for each of them. Everybody would know them. Um, and then the responses would be, according um and it just takes a lot less thinking and it's more precise if they need more detail yes they can go into it but um for just a quick rapid response you know is the car okay have you got a problem at the front of it the back of it in the middle of it or um you just come up with a real simple and that's the thing it's you know we're in a world of massively overcomplicating <laughs> everything so let's just take it right back to basics and real basic language of is the car okay? Yes, no. This is it's at the front, it's at the back. Um, and then if they need a more detailed conversation, they can have it at a time that's right for the driver while he's processing what else is going on. You know, because in a you know you've got to think in a Formula One car, Formula Two car, or you know any other car, you've got a massive sensory overload. You know, if you think about the sensors that are operating inside that cockpit, you've got, you know, visually you've got braking points, turning points, apexes, uh, exit points. You've got 19 other cars around you. 
Um, you know, you're trying to look as far up the track as you can for the next corner. You've got all of that stuff going on. You've got all the data that you're taking in visually through your um, through your steering wheel. Um, all those, you know, 30-odd knobs and buttons, you've got to try and press the right one at the right time. A uh, bit hit and hope. Um, you've got all of that going on. You know, sort of auditory-wise, you've got the sound of the car, the sounds of the other cars around you. You've got your own internal dialogue, which you're listening to, because we all talk to ourselves, right? Um, so you've got that going on. And then you've got the kind of the kinesthetic feel of the car as well, because I think sort of 99% of racing drivers sort of drive the car through their backside. Um, so you've got all that feel coming through the car as well and, you know, the levels of the grip and uh, the surface and um, and just everything else going on. So it's a massive sensory overload. So to have some somebody sort of rattling about war and peace in your ear probably isn't the right thing or the best thing to help encourage that driver along. Um, and we've seen, you know, you see the Formula One commentary where the drivers just certainly around circuits like uh, street circuits like Monaco or, or Monaco and Baku, where they're real tight. And then, you know, you're just heading into a real fast, tight corner or whatever it is. And the driver comes and, you know, the engineer comes and asks you, you know, how's the weather? And you're like, mate, I don't need that. And then crash, you know, it just takes that, that concentration away at the <clears> wrong time. Just because the engineer hasn't looked on the on the screen to see whereabouts on the circuit is the driver, you know, you want to get him at the start of the street when he's relaxing a little bit and he's got time to talk, as opposed to going through a real complex hairpin or chicane or something. Um, so it's just going back to basics and just keeping everything simple. But this is this is about communication. I mean, it, 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 but in. So, so this is it. So, so, so going to that theme about well, no one needs a psychologist. This is this is the internal dialogue bit. I'm in, I'm intrigued to to ask you about in a second. But really, what you've talked about so mm-hmm. far is this is about simplifying communication in a in a in a way in which I mean, I can immediately see how these these ten or fifteen or twelve words or whatever, uh, even if it was about a dog, you know. Um, it's it's really simplified it, hasn't it? And and you're just communicating in a code that means something yeah. to everyone. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Yeah, and I've got a high performance model, which um, yeah, absolutely. I've got this high performance model that I've created over the years of working with you know high end high performers, you know Olympians, Formula One drivers, um, business people, all this kind of stuff. Um, and the first place we start is language. Um, so we kind of go language, attitude, behaviours. Um, because your language, you know, and there's, there's three types. I'll, I'll give all my secrets away now. Um, I'll have to send you a check <laughs> somewhere. Um, but there's, um, there's, I'll yeah, send you an invoice. Yeah. Um, there's, um, yeah, so with, with the language, there's three types of language. You've got your internal language, how you talk bash, to yourself, you've got how we. Yeah, oh my Yeah, absolutely. It's just going to cost me. Um, <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about that. Um, so yes, you've got your internal language, which drives your external language, which is how we're communicating now to each other. Um, and then you've got your body language as well. So I, I look at body language. If if you're thinking something internally, but your mouth shut, it's going to come out through your body. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm really bored, I'm, you know, internally, that, but you're not sort of going, mate, I'm really bored listening to this, your body language is going gonna, is gonna to tell me, um, along with your eye access cues and stuff like that. So... Um, so you've got your internal drives, your external, and your body uh, language. Everyone, so you know, everyone those, that, how you, like, 
fiddling around with their no 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 they're all off. fiddling around with their body position going like <laughs> yeah that's right yeah just getting comfortable yeah they are they're they're their arms shuffling in their like seats yeah. moving around <laughs> I can see them now yeah good stuff good stuff I am watching yeah, exactly. you so um Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so your internal drives your external and your body language, and then how you kind of talk to yourself is what is what kind of creates your mindset, and that drives your attitude then towards everything, and then your attitude towards something or somebody is what drives your behaviours, and then obviously those behaviours and attitudes, if they're not positive, that then affects your culture and environment, so your family, your friends, your teammates, co-workers, uh, the list goes on. Um, and which ultimately affects your performance. And there's two types. I look at two types of performance, mental and physical. And then those, those mental and physical performances, which ultimately get your results. So it all starts with, it all comes back to the very beginning, which is, which is ultimately how you talk to yourself okay. is <clears throat> what's going to drive a high performer or a high performing result. And I think that's, that's the fascinating thing. So let, 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 let's sort of bring it into context of, of some a scenario that you know many people listening will will have experienced. Perhaps um, the first time they get into a car, maybe they're driving for the first time, and and they're yeah. going out um, for for a test uh, or, or to do something. I mean, how, how what would you say to them in terms of in terms of this? Because theoretically, we can listen to this chat and everything you're saying. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's amazing, and and but also makes sense. But equally, I'm thinking about how can I, how can I apply that now? I've, I know, you know, Andrew said, right, I need to be aware of my internal dialogue. But how can I really apply that? Yeah, the thing, um, the key thing with this kind of with the internal language. Um, ultimately is listening to it so we all have a voice inside our head right that's normal um people often talk about um the the kind of negative the positive voice that they have or they talk about the angel and the devil as an analogy um but what ultimately there, there is no um what there is really is just one voice and that voice is is either going to filter for negative or positive things depending on your kind of how your day started so a lot of people talk to me about how they got out the wrong side of the bed and that's kind of led them down this negative path throughout the day or the week you know and i get that if you get out of bed and you step on a piece of lego in the morning um that's really gonna hurt um but then you're gonna go oh i've got out of bed the wrong side i've stepped on lego then you're gonna kind of look for you're gonna filter for every little bit of negativity in the world that's just gonna ruin your day and ultimately everybody else's because you just become a mood mover <laughs> and you just suck the um you just suck the life and positivity out of all those around you so um you know the key thing is that um there's there's a great video of some army american army general or major um who says that you know as soon as you get out of bed in the morning make your bed because then you've done something positive you've made your bed celebrate that uh then go clean your teeth because you're winning you know you're on you're on two positives um but that's um you know that kind of internal stuff the key thing is 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 to listening to it and listening to yourself and i don't suggest you kind of answer yourself back because people will think you're mad but um the key thing really is to is listening to the well why am i thinking that thought why am i nervous about that why am i worried about that um you know and i've just done that recently when i jumped in a car sort of for the first time properly oh my god <laughs> I, I thought yeah i knew it was i'll just 
There's more than one elephant <laughs> in the room here, so maybe we know that. Um, I was going to be kind to so, you. I was going to yeah, be like, so, oh, well, we'll give him, like, he's, he's the professional, you know. <laughs> no, no. I've, I've got to practice what I preach. So, you know, so, yeah, so on Tuesday, just a couple of days ago, I jumped in a, in a race car for sort of the first time um, in a while where I sat my, my arts test, my racing driver's license. Um, which, which, you, how did that, was, that go? Was, did he get it? Oh, very well. Yeah, hundred percent on the written exam, which was amazing. Um, so I was, in, I was happy with that. Um, and and the the instructor who was with me got out of the car in one piece. We didn't kill anybody. We didn't kill the car. Um, so I think the fact that he was conscious and breathing at the end of it was, um, and he didn't change his underwear. So um, it was all good. So yes, yeah, so positive. So my license gone off. Hopefully that'll be back uh, next couple of days. But um, you know. So I'm then jumping out on a um, – so I'm jumping into a race car that's got a manual gearbox. I haven't driven a, a manual gearbox for probably yeah. a year and a half. Um, so you've got a lot of a lot of unknowns and a lot of variables in the car. It's literally into a car that I've never sat in before, never seen before. I've got a brand-new helmet on, brand-new gloves. I look like a proper noddy novice. I'm, you know, I'm proper all the gear and absolutely no idea. But that's your and internal. So this is, this is the thing, though. This is what you're saying. This is your internal yeah, yeah, voice telling you. Because no one yeah. actually has noticed, yep. right? Because you're at a racetrack and you wear you, you But because yep. you haven't done it before, you're thinking, like, this is a bit yep. weird. It feels like I'm walking into a supermarket wearing a race overall. But in actual fact, <laughs> you're, yeah, yeah. you know what yes. I mean? Like, so, so this is your internal dialogue yeah, yeah. you're talking about. Definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So this is my, my kind of perception of what everybody else is thinking is running through my, main, my, through my brain at a million hours an hour, you know, and I, and I consciously made sure that when I bought my new helmet gloves and stuff that I, that they, the shop kept the box so that I didn't arrive with a box, yeah. you know, with my helmet coming out and the brand new box and stuff. So to try and look like I, I've been before. Um, but you know, ultimately I'm there, I'm there as a novice to do a driving test. So, you know, the instructor and those that know, know I'm a novice. So I don't really have to go out and impress them. All my job is, is to get them around safely and just drive the track in a consistent way. But there is a little bit around you that goes, I want to show this guy that I can drive and I'm capable of being a racing driver. And there's just those, you know, the other internal stuff that was going off is as you kind of, you crawl out pit lane at sort of 20 miles an hour or whatever it is. And then the kind of the marshal waves you through and you think, Shit. This is, you know, I'm now got to accelerate and I'm accelerating onto a live track where there's some big, you know, there's some big Lamborghinis, there's a Bentley GT car, there's some Porsche GT3 RSs, there's some real powerful stuff actually driven by people that aren't racing drivers. Uh, they're just doing a, a, a test day. So you've got people with very big wallets, very fast cars that don't necessarily have an idea of how to get around a track safely. Well, so well, you're at least kind that's of thinking. Because again, yeah. My perception, yeah, that's very true. They may be very competent, but I'm kind of thinking I'm just going to treat everybody like a like an idiot and just think that actually nobody knows what they're doing because then you're going to get a safer drive, if that makes sense. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's a very, very tricky one, but it's a bit like, you know, jump like passing your driving tests and then you're, you're straight on a five-lane, yeah. you know, the, the M25. It's like you're right into the deep end here. Um, and you're, then you're thinking, can I remember how to change gear? What if I stall it? You know, I haven't used a clutch for 
you know, 18 months. Um, but it's kind of, it's all that, but then all that muscle memory stuff kicks in and, you know, actually I do remember how to drive and I do remember how to get around a circuit and I do know what a racing line is and, you know, and it's, and it's all good. And then you kind of relax a little bit, then you start having some fun. Then so, the speed so comes. Just, just to roll back a bit though, um, sorry to jump in, but just because it's that bit before you hit the track or just as you're hitting the track that, is quite nervous, and I and, and um, I think people also feel it, and and you will uh, soon. Um, you know, when you're sitting on the grid, um, and the lights are the yeah. lights are coming on, and, and they're about to go out, and you're you're literally you, you feel as if you can touch the cars all around you. You don't want a fluffy start, and all that sort. Of, you know, the, there's all these kind of these moments that are highly have high anxiety. Yet, um, as soon as you get going, ironically. Um, people relax into it you know but it's but how do you so how do you or is there any tips that you would give people to think well you know you know you can do this because you felt comfortable before how and 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 to try and use is there a way of using that um to, to to calm you in the moment or is it just just you just kind of ride it out and i don't know how would you how do you manage that performance well, I think the best thing, I think, you know, if you go back to like the novice grid, um, there's going to be a lot of unknowns. So you're talking about, you know, I'm sat right close to the first car. What's that first corner going to look like? Um, and all those unknowns. And when you have any shock, surprise or unknown, what you kind of start to trigger off is that amygdala part of your brain and that fight, flight or freeze response. So um, what you've got to do is we we use three words for this we talk about controller controllables so what i would suggest and what i'll be telling myself is is that i've got to you know what can i control about this race right here right now because the you know the anxiety and the nerves and the stress is going to come from my my worry of the future the I don't, I don't know what's around the next corner literally. type thing, um, <laughs> but I can't literally. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, absolutely spot on. And there's nothing I can do about that until I get to that corner. So, you know, when I'm strapped into that race car on the grid, the only thing I'm really in control of is is my clutch and my accelerator as the lights go out. And then I move into the first corner. Then I'll take the second corner, the third corner. So it's almost chunking it right down into moment by moment and worrying about things then that happen then because I've no idea where the other 19 cars are going to be on corner seven until I get there. Um, so there's no point worrying about that because all I'm doing is just wasting energy. Um, you know, my physiological states change because it's all on, you know, it's on high alert because it thinks something's going to happen, but it doesn't know what's going to happen, if that makes sense. Um, but my, you know, my conscious brain knows I'm in a race car and it's all good. But my kind of my unconscious brain and that, that archaic amygdala, part of the brain is just going what's going on what's going on you know there's you know my, my physiological states change i've got i've got a high heart rate i'm breathing a bit heavy i've got sweaty palms you know i'm twitching um you know what's going on what's going on and it's just that i just need to tell myself that i'm racing and it's and it's kind of ironic in the running world in that you know if somebody was to walk in with a you know if somebody was to walk in and fire a gun i would you know i would potentially run away um because that flight yeah. you know that flight response would be to run away um or you would fight them or you would just freeze um but ultimately in the running world you know you stand on the start line and somebody fires a gun and you run off you run away <laughs> if that makes sense so it's kind of 
it's a normal process. I just have to tell my brain that I'm at a race. There is going to be a gun that's going to go bang and I need to run as fast as I can. But it's not like I'm running for my life. I'm running to win a medal or a championship or a, to chase a time. And it's, you know, it's no different in the, in the racing world. You know, there's going to be that, that high kind of anxiety nerve levels where I've got all that apprehension of the lights going out. And as soon as those lights go out, you're like, oh, I'm driving. And, it, and hopefully all that that repetition and all that practice and training and coaching that we do just falls into place. And we actually, yeah, I'm just driving a car fast with 19 other nutters around me. It's all good. Um, and then once you get into your groove, you know, you'll get one lap out of the way. You're like, right, I've done it now. I can do it again. But I'm going to do it quicker now. And you're going to, you know, you'll build up the momentum and the pace as it goes. Yeah, yeah, sense. absolutely. But, um a lot of it's just the unknown, okay. really, but there's no point worrying about that till it comes. So I suppose the, you know, you mentioned the repetition. I mean, that's 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 where experience comes in. I think I think even with experience, people people still get nervous, and 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 uh, many people say that's a good sign. You know, if you're not nervous, then you know you're not really at the you know you're not really there. Well, yeah, there's no absolutely, and there's um you know we know physiologically. So so from the you know I always say from the neck down um you know physiologically the difference between somebody that's nervous and somebody that's excited there is no difference really there is no difference in physiological state the only real difference is is how we're talking to ourselves internally so if i was excited so somebody who's nervous is kind of their internal dialogue is worrying about what's going to go wrong what if i stall what if i hit somebody at the first corner what if i get taken out what if you know it's all those what if scenarios um, but somebody that's excited is is kind of excited about what can go right. I'm going to get a great start. I'm going to hit that first apex. That. I'm going to yes. going to get my overtakes yes. okay. here and here, and that is the difference. So nervous and excited, there is no difference. If you think about it in a bungee jump context, if we were stood at the top of a cliff with a rope around our ankles and we were going to jump, the person who's nervous would be worried about what if I hit the floor? What if the rope's not attached? What if it's not tied on? What if it's too long? Um, whereas the the person be going oh this is going to be amazing i'm going to jump it's all going to be okay and i can't wait to tell everybody how amazing you, you mentioned the bungee jumping um, um i have i've never done it but i, I understand that a lot of people they do it and then as soon as they've done it they want to go straight and do it again they, yeah yeah because it's a rush it's a good positive to, rush to like i'll have, I'll yeah. have a bit more of that yeah and if you think about kids those those people that got kids you know if you put um you, you'll have a child who's like um wants to go on the bouncy castle or something or wants to go on a on a roller coaster or something and they'll be absolutely you know they'll be really nervous and terrified about going on it but then what you find is that once they've had a go you can't get them off um because they love it and then you spend all your day at, at the fun fair on the teacups whereas you know an hour ago they were screaming blue murder that they didn't want to go on it and it's um but yeah it's just that once they know it's okay and it's safe and it's good fun they'll they'll keep going and going and going there's, um there's a uh, from from my experience in the world of sport there's a, a good friend of mine and he, he has a concept of um, he's not a psychologist but you know it's quite poignant um he, he has a concept of owning start line um, okay yeah, yeah and if you think that through um it's a case of uh, you you, you want to be like owning the start line you, you just want to like in terms of like a sort of psychology but equally confidence 
um, because because at the end of the day, I mean, what we haven't really just touched on yet is it's not just about you. You're in a competition. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think a good example of that is um, is Usain Bolt, yeah. isn't it? Perfect example. Um, if, Perfect. if you look at yeah, so if you look at um, or almost somebody like Lewis Hamilton, if we try and keep it on a on a motor racing theme, but if you um, if you look at how Usain Bolt kind of um, manages that pre race um, that pre race performance, so he walks out as confident. His body language is is strong. It's confident, and and everybody else is talking about who's going to get second or third because it's just a given that Usain is going to win that race. Um, and it's you know it's a bit like Lewis, and when you've got a positive, when you've got a a very well built fast car like Mercedes have got and you've got a very you know you've got six times world champion it's it's just oozing confidence and it's it's almost their race to lose as opposed to anybody else's race to win if that makes sense because it's given that you know Lewis and Valtteri are going to be on the top two or Ferrari you know back in the Schumacher days are going to be on the top it's top interesting podium. you say about Lewis because um, he's never interviewed on the grid in his whole career, he's never been interviewed on the grid that I've seen. And, mm, and I've been fascinated true. to hear what he'd actually have to say. I wonder, I have a feeling he probably does get quite nervous, but he just rather that other people didn't know. Yeah, he's, what we've got to remember is, is that um, we always put these, um, certainly with, with celebrities, sports stars and things like that, we put them up on this big, um, on this not soapbox, but we kind of put them up at this higher higher regard you know they're amazing they're incredible and but at the end of the day lewis hamilton is a human being no different to you and i you know he snores he burps he farts all that kind of stuff so he's no different he's just a very talented racing driver uh, usain bolt he's no different to me we just put one foot in front of the other just so happens that he does it quicker than i do um so you've got to remember there's a human being behind that who has emotions who has all this kind of um, all this sensory stuff firing off. So yes, there will be a little bit of nervousness. There will be a bit of apprehension. There will be, you know, his internal dialogue will be running the same as as yours and mine. But it's just how he manages it that makes a difference. So he'll be completely on it. That you know, he he's well trained in that kind of mental stuff. That you know. It's all positive. It's all positive. He's excited about what can go right rather than worrying about what can go And do you think that's what we need to focus on? I mean, like, so next time we're sitting, you know, in a car or, or you know, at the track and we're feeling nervous or even other in, you know, in, in life in general, but it's a, this is a sort of motorsports you know, podcast or whatever. But, um, you know, next time we're in that position where we are, are uh, ang- have, feeling anxiety and, and, and nerves, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I've been in a car. My legs, my legs started shaking on the clutch, on my clutch, on my clutch foot. I mean, yeah. it's like that's that's not going to help my yeah. start. <laughs> no, but, not at all. So what, but not you know, at and that all. makes me more nervous. So what? What? Um, yeah. So, uh, Again, it's that internal stuff of what you know. What are you worried okay. about? What's causing that that physiological reaction? Well, what's causing that physical reaction? Um, it may just be that your seat is just like half an inch out and you quite just haven't got your foot sat on the clutch pedal right and it's just twitching slightly. There'll be something, something well, going on, right but it's I that mean, kind of... Right so I'm sitting there, but I've, got my, I've got this like leg spasm going off when the grid's about to go, you know, you're surrounded by 20 cars. <laughs> just thinking, thinking yeah. I've done, but I've done this before, but, you know, I shouldn't... <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. But again, the thing is nobody else can see that, well, only you. 
So again, it's how you quickly transform that, oh my God, my leg's shaking into, right, let's just get off the grid and get going. Then you start dominating the grid by, because you can't see body language in a car, can you? But you can see, you can dominate other drivers with your car's body language. Um, we used to do that in my police days when we were driving. You know, I could position my car in a place that sort of, yeah. sort of dominates the car in front. Yeah, sort of more aggressive. So you can, um, you know, you can you can show your body language in a car, or show the car's body language as such. But you know, nobody knows what's going on inside your cockpit. So again, don't don't worry about it. Well, it's just um, or try and understand. Yeah, I think, what I think that's that's almost more helpful, isn't it? So just you, you say like you know. Don't think of a carrot, for example. You can't not think of a carrot. So it's, 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 it's yeah. to say to flip it and say that's okay. So so not beat yourself up and, and equally think yeah that's a you know think of the positives. That means yeah. Um, you know what could what could this you know you're going to nail this start or um or, or I don't know yeah I think I mean I'm just trying to I'm trying to put myself in that position now and think okay I'm sitting on the grid. I'm nervous. Uh, what should I think in terms of my internal dialogue? Yeah, and I would be again. It comes down to control the controllables. So, what can you do exactly. about it right exactly. here, right now? Um, and that is the thing. And it's kind of it's. I would I would sort of be thinking right. My leg's shaking. There's not a lot I can do about it. You could, I could give it a give it a smack or something <laughs> and see if that puts it into a you know, into a, a, you know, another kind of reaction, but you would just be like, right, it is doing what it's doing. Let's just focus on the lights. Just get ahead around the lights. Let's just make sure, you know, distract yourself, get your, just play with your harness or tweak your gloves or your visor or your helmet or whatever you're doing and just kind of go, right, let's, let's just make sure I get a really good start. Let's just, you know, or even just, you know, as simple as putting it, putting the car into neutral, taking your foot off the clutch, giving it a shake, putting it back down in a more solid you know, get get a different plan to the foot. That's that's why I think it works. So Yeah, yeah. So just kind of take your you know, almost just quickly if you can. Obviously if the lights are coming on, you ain't gonna take your foot off the clutch and you've just got to go with it. Um but you know that you know that you even if your leg is shaking as the lights go out, you're only gonna lose naught point whatever of a second, then it's right, it's over. Focus on the cars. Focus on the first corner. And I think, I think your, just your thought, sorry, um, your thought there on the controlling the controllables, and and thinking of it like in a in a happy way. Um, it's a bit like you know you yeah. force yourself to smile and you actually feel happier. That weird, that, that weird, yeah, that yeah, weird of course, kind of yeah. you know, even when you're really down in the dumps, if you actually just yeah. smile, it, um, it makes you feel happier. Yeah. I don't know. I still, I still have no idea how yeah. that works. But anyway, it's <laughs> just smiling is amazing. There's a really good, um, there's a really good Spike Milligan, um, Spike Spike Milligan poem about smiling and the infectiousness of it. It's really, really good, really good poem. Um, just makes me chuckle because it's like I saw somebody smile and it made me smile. Then I went around a corner and I realised that somebody else was smiling because yeah, they saw me smile. That's lovely. So yeah. it's um, yeah, I mean, it's one, amazing. One thing, just just smiling um, I'm smiling right now. I, I just to sort of flip it a bit. So, oh, so I've talked about you controlling yourself as an individual and, and your driver. But what um, a lot of people listening will, will won't be driving. They'll be part of a team, or they'll be they'll be might be mum and dad. They might be friends. They might be um, running a team, looking after other people. So what? Yeah. How can you know? With, but with an interest in the driver performing, you know, in some way. So what? Of course. What would you say? 
I mean, is there any advice you could give those people in terms of what they would say to the driver? Yeah, again, it depends. Um, the key thing about all this stuff, and again, coming back to the, the key of the success of what I do, is understanding how your driver ticks and operates. So if you know your driver, oh, I've got a really simple questionnaire that does this. So I kind of look at, are they an auditory person? Are they a visual person? Are they a kinesthetic person? And things like that. Because if they're an auditory person, you saying something is going to have an impact. Work that out? Positive. Um, well, yeah, I say I've got this five five question questionnaire. Which okay. does um, <laughs> without, so I just send it to people. You know, giving the, 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 the secrets away, but just, yes, just, just roughly. I mean. oh, no, you <laughs> can. Yeah, definitely. It's just listening, again, listening to what the person talks to you about. So when you ask somebody a question, if you get a um, – if, if you ask somebody a question, they go, oh, I like – I like the sound ah, of that. Okay. So the key word in there is sound. So they'll go, oh, that sounds really good. And you go, ah, oh, they're an auditory person. They're going to hear it. Or, yeah, it feels, you know, how, how did your race go? Oh, it felt really good. You go, oh, feeling kinesthetic. Or, you know, how did that race? Well, that looks really good. And you go, ah, oh, looks Bingo. visual. Bingo. So on a on a big basic level, you can get away with it. But there is a complex kind of uh, – a more complex questionnaire you can do that does kind of go into that a lot more and it gives you a kind of grading across all the levels because we're not just visual, course, not just yeah. auditory. We we have all of these things firing off, um, but it's just making sure you tap into the right ones. So, you know, if they're a kinesthetic person, just giving that person a hug, just giving them a pat on the back um, could make the difference. I mean, is there um, anything like and then, not to do almost? Like, because... Uh, you, I, I, I don't know yeah, whether, whether, what, what, not, what should you not do <laughs> almost that's almost as useful as you know, should I just say nothing well sometimes sometimes <clears throat> nothing is good if they're in order to, if you know it's a bit like you know our parents or, or sort of my mum used to say if you've got nothing nice to say don't say it at all and that's kind of spot on you know if you've got nothing positive to say to somebody sometimes just keeping quiet is good um, and what you've got to be careful, we have something called, um, when I'm working with young athletes, um, I tend to end up doing more work with the parents because what you find is, is that uh, a parent will come to me and say, oh, Johnny, 10 year old, they're really nervous. They're really, you know, they're really anxious and all this, they're really stressed and all this kind of stuff. And actually it's the, um, we talk about perception is projection. So whatever you're perceiving is often what you're projecting, if that makes sense. So if you are really nervous as a parent, you're going to be projecting all this nervous kind of energy onto your kid. And it's almost like looking into a mirror. If you're nervous, you're going to see nervousness. Um, so almost it's the key is, is almost to not portray your, your nervousness or negativity onto that person if possible, you know, if you know there's something not right with the car, but you don't want to tell the driver, um, you know, you've just got to, you've almost got to blag your, your kind of your external um, body language and emotions and things like that to let them know that everything's okay. I mean, like, um, so, and just let, not let me, project, give, you, let me yeah. give you an example, right? So, so, so it might be that you, you've got a new driver and they're, they're really not getting the most out of the car. Um, they yeah. might be quite vocal, however, about saying the car has some problem. Uh, yeah. Yet you know that there's more to come from the car before, you know, yes, there might be something with the car, right? But equally, there's there's probably more to come from the driver. So how how, yeah. how do you approach that? Because that's, that's quite a tricky 
That's quite a tricky one, I would say. Yeah, it's again, it's that. Um, it all comes down to how your driver ticks and operates, and that that kind of knowledge and understanding. And if you if you're you know, if you're a good race engineer and you know your driver, you will be able to extract the information to help you to make that car perform better. And that's the the key to it. It's spending you know it's spending time with that driver and understanding that kind of that that language they use and how they get that information and evidence across of what's going on. So in your experience, the, the, the parents or the, that, that external factor is, is, has, is quite significant in terms of the impact it can have on the athlete, particularly in terms of how they, their own uh, feelings are mirrored effectively by the athlete. So if you're nervous as a parent, your athlete's yeah. going to feel nervous. Absolutely, yeah, because they're just going to see that you're nervous and worried. So they're going to be thinking what they're worried about, what they're nervous about. And then it's just going to add more to their own their own nerves and um, things like that. And it's, you know, like I say, we, we joked about the mood hoovers. But if, yeah. you know, if you see somebody walk into a room or your boss walks into the office and they look like thunder, you just think, oh, what's coming? And then you're kind of, you'll just fool yourself, close up and go, oh, don't talk to me. Um, just keep walking and you just know there's going to come a barrage of of (laughs) negativity um but then if you see you know if you see but again on the opposite on the flip side of that coin if you see you know positive polly walk in the office you go "Uh oh here she comes she's really happy you're like oh so it's kind of finding that balance of you know of just being of being positive but without going too far in either direction you know you don't want to be a real you don't want to be tigger on speed because um you know you're going to end up crashing eventually so you've just got to keep everything level keep everything calm focused this is our job you know everybody as a team should be coming together for the purpose of that driver to get around 15 laps in their car without you know any any problems um so it's kind of making sure all the energy and excitement and enthusiasm is, is driven towards that positive outcome for that driver rather than kind of bringing along your own world of negativity and issues and problems that potentially will impact your driver okay i mean this part, part of me thinking there's a sort of authenticity piece to this as well like um you, you as a driver you want to trust the people around you Hundred percent. Yeah. So you you don't want them to. You kind of want them to tell you stuff, um, but in, in, in a way, or per, perhaps even after time, yeah, that, that can have the most the, the best impact. So you, it's almost like by the time you're sitting in the collecting area before you're going out, a lot of people are you know drivers they've got they've got people around support people friends and family um, team or whatever who are talking to them. Mm. my guess is that's not the time to start a new conversation. You should have already had the conversation about where, what the expectations are and um, how the car is likely to behave and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then at that point, because this is about having fun, right? Um, of course, ultimately. <laughs> yeah, ultimately. Because, be. I mean, everyone listening here, I would say 90%, uh, you know, this is, this is a hobby. We forget that sometimes. It should be about having fun. Um, so how can we how can we do that? <laughs> you know? you know, that's a that's a really interesting thing to me because we talk about um, and, we, and certainly as parents we go we often tell our children it's all about the taking part, isn't it? It's not about the winning. 
but to be honest, it's crap. It's all about the winning. Um, <laughs> I think losers losers talk about it's about the taking part because ultimately we're you know we are competitive. You know, it goes back to these. You know, you think about your fight, flight, or freeze. You know, if it's if there's a dinosaur walking and it's you and me, I'm I'm going to run quicker than you, so you get eaten. Um, that's yeah. a given. So it is. It's all about competition. It's yes, all about yeah, winning. I, I don't and need to run any... faster, than di- faster than the dinosaur. I just need to run faster than you. Than me, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly it. Um, but we kind of, we get into a world of, you know, where schools are now aren't doing sports days because little Johnny's got to lose. It's like, well, that's the life lesson, really. We're all going to lose at some point. Um, but it's how we, we, we have that, that positive growth mindset of, I may have lost this race, but what am I going to do to make sure I don't lose the next one? And, um, and, you know, children, we talk about, you know, my five-year-old at the moment say, say, I can't tie, I can't do this. I can't tie my shoelaces. It's not that he can't tie them. It's just he doesn't know how to do it yet. So we just tell him, okay, you can't tie your shoelaces. Well, you, sorry, we, we say you can't tie it. It's just that you can't tie them yet. So if we show you how to do it and you practice, you will be able to tie your shoelaces. And it's as simple as, you know, it's as simple as that. But, um I've completely forgot what the question there is to me because I've gone off to children and shoelaces and um, no, I get it, I get it. All the um, competition stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, ultimately, it's, if you're sat in a grid of twenty cars, you don't want to come last. Um, you've got to, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be one hundred and ten percent focused. You've got to be on it, otherwise, that's that's dangerous, isn't it? If your if your brain's not not in the game. Um, but the thing, but the thing is, so the people and and um, I, I uh, my personal experience is that I started at the very very back of the grid. In fact, I was so slow um, that uh, I was there was a gap between the back of the grid and me um, when I went for my first race, which was a bit um, of a shock to the uh, the old um, ego. To be honest with you, but, yeah. but but I still had fun at the of end course. of the day, and and I didn't win. Um, for, for several years, in fact, but I kept going every day, and I felt improvement. And for me, that was that was a win. But it, I was really disappointed as well. Um, but but it wasn't until um, I just went, "This is fun. You take it too seriously. This this is for fun." And uh, it's almost like you don't care that the results ironically came um, because you were having more fun. Taking yeah. it very seriously. It's a serious fun. I don't know if that is that a thing. Is that a thing? I don't even know if that's a real thing. But. Definitely, yeah. I think you've got to have your you've got to have your own kind of outcomes for the experience, haven't you? So I know I'm going to be, you know, in about five weeks' time, uh, six weeks' time, I'm going to be on a grid with twenty other cars, having not raced. And we um, want to hear all about it when you come back on the podcast. Oh, uh, man. Yes, if I get invited back. <laughs> if I swear too much. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I've got to think, you know, what's what's the realistic outcome of my day? So my my outcome of the first race is going to be to get round in one piece, um, okay. hopefully get some over, get hopefully get some overtakes in. Um, and do you know what? That would be enough for me because then that gives me a benchmark to then – move forward for the next race if i finished 18th out of 20th i'll be like right that's where i am what do i do now to go quicker so i'll be tapping into your services to me to go what's the data telling us of where i can make up x y and z time and then we go out and implement that and hopefully we get a a top 15 finish or a top 10 finish and then we go right what's the data telling us now 
how do I get a how do I get a podium finish? I'm and just, it's just I, continuous improvement, isn't it? Are you, are you okay if I call, call you out on that one? Because I, it's, it sounds brilliant. Oh, right, it sounds brilliant. But <clears throat> but do you actually believe that, or is this a case of um, you're sort of almost saying for the purpose of the audience or whatever professionalism that that's what you would do? But in in your heart of hearts, you hope it would be be different. No, I think no. That's that's being completely and utterly honest and realistic. Would you be disappointed? Would you be disappointed if 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 you didn't do any of that, or, or, or if you notionally only achieved that? And 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 I mean that in the, in the most polite way, because just getting on the grid is an achievement. Um, I think myself. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm <clears> no. <throat> I, I think I'm being completely honest here. You know, for my first race in a, in six weeks' time, I I would be happy to get round in one piece. So we'll be, we'll be, be spraying the champagne. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I'll be Brilliant. taking the. It'll be that is. It is what it is. The start so of the I journey. It's the start. Exactly. Of the it's the first race of hopefully hundreds of years of, of racing. So I've got to go. I've Love got to be that. realistic with that. And you know, and any high performer, Usain Bolt, Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, they've probably won. They're sorry. They've probably lost more races than they've won, and that's the thing and you think back to um nicky lauda you know he doesn't take the glory from success he takes the learnings from the losing and that's the key to it so you know if i come dead last in my first race that's fine i now know where i am i've got a benchmark and i can now move that forward if i keep coming 20th i've then got to ask some questions go well, actually is this for me or is it that i'm not a talented driver or there is no you know i've got to look for the continuous improvement there and look for those those small wins because those small wins become bigger wins, and then exactly, exactly. ultimately, I'll be a championship uh, a championship winner. Um, but yeah, being honest, just getting round in one piece without damaging the car, damaging anybody else is success. I'm happy with that, and it's having realistic outcomes. I'm not good, in no way, you know. We talk about delusional confidence and confidence. There's no way I'm deluded enough to think that I'm going to sit on that grid and win that first race. That's not going to happen. I know that. And I won't be disappointed. You know, I'll be amazed if I do. But if I don't, that's okay. That's You've got to be fine. to win it. I think that's the first thing. And I of think course. That's the, that's the thing about and anything being on, can the, on the grid. Anything, anything can happen. Can happen. Yeah, yeah, I could Which be nice if on that grid. It's sport. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there's, you know, there's, you know, like I said, I could be 19th on that grid to start with. I'll qualify 19th. The, the first 17 could all take themselves out on the first corner. You know, and then I end up winning. But until I get to that first corner and they do that, I've no idea what's going to happen. So it's just let's just get around safe and then build on it from there. Well, this has been absolutely eye-opening for me and and fascinating. I I really thank you for your time. Um, No pleasure. It's been emotional. It would be lovely to have you back to um, let us know how you get on. um, Of course, and and see see if we can do a little bit of like retrospective. And go. Well, yeah, how yeah. was that first weekend? And how how did you manage those nerves? And um, you know, maybe there's some more thoughts you, you you'll have had by that point that, that people will be interested in. Absolutely, yeah. If you're happy to have me back, um, if, if well, ask ask the listeners if they don't want me back, I'm happy not to come back. But where are you? Uh, where are you online? What, what's um, what, what's uh, the way in which people can find out a bit more about you? Yeah, I would um, I would look. Um, or search for at 1404 performance. That's where all my racing and all my other stuff um, within the business world is going to go. Um, so at 1404 performance. Um, I've also got at 
athlete in mind. Um, so yeah, I'm out on the I'm out on the internet on both of those channels. So at fourteen oh four performance is going to be the big one where we're going to put the racing through and um, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it'd be great to see you there. I'll, I'll put some links in the uh, I'll put some links in the transcript. We'll That'll be amazing. How to, how to do that. That sounds okay, good. Okay, well, um, thank you very awesome. much. And um, speak to you next time. Speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Wow, I think you'll agree that was really fascinating to hear. I can't wait to hear how Andrew gets on in his racing journey. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and visit us at yourdatadriven.com. Thank you.